Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads of environment and health in all ways. And this is Richard Talk to Me Guy. And as I say each week, and I will continue saying, Sherry Edwards is off working on the SoundHealthPortal.com. I currently really like to recommend that when you want to know more about the Sound Health Portal, where Sherry has built this amazing website or worked with programmers to build this amazing site where now you can do it online, where you can go and uh, look at some of the current campaigns. This is vocal analysis looking for states of imbalance in your voice, which is related to the vagal nerve. I'll actually jump to this because I think this is a better approach. So you go to soundhealthportal.com, you scroll down to the bottom, you look at the videos tab, you click on that, and there will be a list there of live demonstrations online where Sherry has somebody that she's working with and other people, there's an audience, and she'll take somebody through a live profiling, and you'll see that it's not complicated in the sense of doing it is not complicated. It's a matter of doing two 30 to 45 second recordings and submitting them, and then the software breaks that down and runs it through all the other kinds of software, such as corona conflict or stem cells or fibromyalgia or bio diet. Or a personal favorite of mine is neuroplasticity. Like to see how the brain is working, how it's going, how it can be improved. So once you watch Sherry take somebody through the demo and see the kind of information that you can get, and you'll know a lot more about it, so that when you go back and you scroll down to the campaigns, and uh, campaigns are free software packages that you can have your voice run through. And you have to sign up with an email, but that's because they need to email your report someplace. So it's good to have an email address. And they don't spam you. They don't sell it. They don't do anything mean or bad with your name. Just put you on the list to be notified of what's going on at Sound Health. And so when you do that, you'll sign up for a free membership. And then as they say, you'll do the, you know, the system will walk you through doing two 30 to 40-second recordings. You'll submit those recordings with the campaign that you want to run your vocal print through. And that's it. You'll get a report back within two to eight hours at the most that I've ever seen for me to wait. With a lot of information, I recommend you sit down with a cup of tea, review it. If you have a healthcare practitioner who is inclined toward thinking outside slightly out of the box, then they might look at it and go, let's say that you have an osteopath or a chiropractor. You could take that report to them and say, well, we're working on this, and can we try and innervate that nerve ending? Or it, it gives just a really good kind of like pointy thing. That's one of my favorite things that Sherry's developed is these charts. There's a pie chart where the thing that you need to look at, you want to look at now is highlighted in the chart. And once you watch the video demo, this will all make more sense because there's a lot of information there. So seeing it in a visual way is really helpful, at least for me. To hear and share replays of this show, about 15 minutes after I end the show, maybe 20, you can go to talktomeguy.com. That's all one word. Scroll down that page, and you'll see this show there in about, as I say, about 20 minutes. And there will be all the show notes, all the links we refer to, any of the other additional show notes that I add right after the show. If you're listening to the, or viewing this on a mobile device, you can pull it right up on the mobile device. It's, it's designed to be show and display correctly on mobile, as well as on computers. And you'll be able to listen to it right there. You scroll down past the show notes, and there's a player right there. 
and there's a link to about a half dozen other kinds of players, whether it be Google Play or iPodcasts or Pocket Casts or any number of the other aggregators, which gather all that. And you can listen to it right from your device. And if you'd like to make a comment or a suggestion for a guest on any of the pages at the lower right-hand corner at talktomeguy.com, you'll see a microphone, and you can leave me a message and say, what about this? What about that? And I'll get a notification. With that, Pamela Osley is a consultant, number one Amazon best-selling author, professional psychic intuitive, medium, and aura expert. Pam has appeared on ABC, CBS, NBC, The Dr. Oz Show, The View, The Ricky Lake Show, Coast to Coast with George Norrie, and Gaia with Lisa Gar, as well as hundreds of other television and radio shows. She's also been featured in many national magazines. Pam has spoken at the TEDx Talks, the International Forum on New Science, Fortune 500 companies, and many seminars for professionals in the psychology, education, health fields, and more. She's written five successful and popular books, Life Colors, Love Colors, Make Your Dreams Come True, and her latest book, In Infinite You and the Truth According to John. She was awarded the Holistic Transformational Leader of the Year Award by the Global Association of Holistic Psychotherapy and Coaching. She has a very extensive clientele, including many celebrities. She also had the number one show for 11 years at a popular Santa Barbara radio station, which also broadcast internationally via the Internet. Pam is the founder of AuraColors.com, a site designed to help you create success, joy, and fulfillment in every area of your life. She also developed LoveColors.com. This site is designed to help you find love and friendships by matching you with people of compatible aura colors. Pamela joins us to talk about her newest book, The Truth According to John. Welcome, Pam. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm good. It's sunny. We gained an hour. I'm happy. <laughs> you have sun up there? Well, we are in total fog down here. Oh. Okay. Need to go north. Well, you need to go north. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's really, it's drizzly and horrible up here. No, it's bright and sunny. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We'll let you have the sun for a while. We'll swap later. <laughs> You'll swap later. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to start... We're going to talk about the book, everybody. Just everybody relax for a second because we're going to dive right into the deep end of the pool because i got to ask because I think every time we talk, we talk about this. I want to start back at the double slit experiment with the person's attention possibly altering the outcome of that experiment. Could you talk about that for a minute? I want some foundational things for us because I know we're diving deep into the quantum field. Sure. Well, the double slit experiment is amazing. Um, Basically, let me see how I say this quickly in lay terms. Um, they took a partition and they put one slit in it, and then there was a background on the other side, and they took and they, they sent basically, they shot one photon at a time through this slit, right? And so then on the back partition, it showed up as we ex would expect, one, one line of light that showed up on the partition. So then they experimented. They put two slits there because they, um, they wanted to see if light was a particle or a wave, right? So they put two slits in the partition, and they sent one photon of light. They did this with electrons, too, but one photon of light through at a time, 
and then on the other side, they expected to see two slits of light on the back partition on the other side, right? Well, they didn't. They saw an interference pattern, which means basically that light went, that each photon went through as a wave instead of a particle. Um, because if you send water through two um, areas like that, two slits like that, on the other side, the waves will interfere with each other and they'll create a high point and a low, a trough. They call it a peak, a trough. And so that's called the interference pattern. Well, wait a second, what's happening? We sent we sent a single photon through. How could they be turning into a wave and interfering with itself on the other side? So that's when they went, wow, light is both a, photon, a, a particle and a wave. But this is what they did. Well, we want to see when it changes from a single photon into a wave. So they observed it. And when they did that, um, it didn't change into a wave. It stayed as a single particle. <laughs> they went, wait, what's hmm. happening? So they took the person out and they put uh, they put um, an electronic camera there to see if the electronic thing would, you know, figure out when it changed from a, a single particle into a wave. Same thing happened. It didn't change into a wave. It stayed as a single photon. So, oh, my gosh, it's called the observer effect. They found that if there was an observer trying to measure the outcome, it stayed a single particle. If they removed the observer on the other side was the interference pattern, which means that it went through as a wave. It went through both slits at the same time as a wave. Now, you know that that's going to lead to our discussion of parallel universes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, but not yet. Not because, yet. Almost. Go oh, ahead. Not yet. Not yet. No, 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 no. That's just basically okay. the observer effect so that they discovered that consciousness, that the observer was having an effect on the outcome of the um, experiment, which, by the way, is part of quantum physics where they say, believe it or not, they cannot measure, they cannot accurately mm, they, 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 they can't predict an ultimate reality because the observer affects the outcome of the experiment. Wow. There's no way to measure an objective. There is no way to measure an objective reality because consciousness or the observer affects the outcome. So that's huge right there. Well, and, and having talked to you for what seems to be 100 years, uh, in the best of ways, <laughs> we've talked about you this a lot. And it, no, 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 no. It's, well, we, you know, it could be a coin toss for either of us. But it's the, it's that's such an amazing idea that our observing alters. On one hand, on one hand, it amazes me, and yet, of course, it's sort of my other thought. Like, of course, it's going to alter it because we're observing it, and we have stuff in our in our brain pans that could affect what we're looking at. It's, a, it's not really possible to be a 100% objective observer unless you're a machine, and then AI is a whole other conversation, I believe. Is that true? that makes sense? Um, yeah, well, we, we, there are deep conversations around all of this, Richard. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, even, even talking about what's AI and is it going to be beneficial, not beneficial, but the role quantum physics is basically all about energy and consciousness, according to Schrodinger and Heisenberg. It's like consciousness is at the foundation of all of it. So we're going from Newtonian physics, which basically says everything is mechanistic, it's a mechanistic universe, to quantum physics, which says everything is energy, and some of the quantum physicists haven't discovered this yet, but the founders did, 
consciousness matters. Consciousness actually creates the matter. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It always Sunday makes morning, me huh? right. No, it always you know makes my mind go, wow, man. That's uh, you know, it's all so big. <laughs> it's also oh, yeah, my I, life and is you so much bigger. Yeah, but I mean, so much bigger than we've been taught. <laughs> yeah, we look up and we see stars, and we kind of you know have that look, stars. Wow, that's kind of it. Really? Maybe not. There's so much more. You know, we need Captain Kirk to uh, use one of his great lines about the stars and beyond and all those kinds of Star Trek-y kind of things. I do think it is interesting. I didn't mean to, but I do think it is really interesting how Star Trek, the original series, the real one, thats I'm going to get hate mail for that, but the real one with William Shatner, there was so much of that observing of other realities just like it was a yeah. thing, like we're talking now, that it's all possible. There could be a planet. There could be any number of things, whether it's quantum fields or choice points or whatever we want to call it. It's where our attention goes, our energy flows. Is that right? Is that the right phrase? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and basically, once you believe in something, you'll see it. <laughs> so it's not, it, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. It's, I'll believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yes. I like Einstein when he said, said reality is an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. <laughs> I love that one. I saw that when I was studying, reading, and listening. I, I saw, saw you write, I have that in writing, and I just thought, that is so perfect. I would wear that as a belt. That's so true. <laughs> it's pretty persistent. Maybe. We're not sure, though. And, oh, yeah. Well, it makes and, life more interesting and more fun to me and with more freedom. I'm just, every time I discover what quantum physicists are saying about our nature of reality and who we are, it's like, wow, it's like we're so much more. We're creators. We're not victims. It's just like reality becomes, or quote unquote reality, our life experience becomes so much bigger, so much more freedom, so much more fun so much more enjoyable, so much more fascinating, at least to me. The way I'm experimenting with it, it's like, wow, look what we can do. Of course, they probably felt that way when they first discovered aerodynamics was a real thing, right? Wow, we can fly. Holy cow. Boy, does that open up a lot of things for us. I think, well, uh, you know, speaking of guys who had to have been dabbling in the quantum field, the Wright brothers, when they figured that out, like, look, we can fly. Really? You figured that out? That, I can't imagine figuring out that we can fly. I can observe it. I can see a bird do it. But it's like then to build something to make it happen? What? Wow. <laughs> they were having well, a good know, time in the quantum field. Yeah, all our technology now is all based on quantum physics, and we just take it for granted. I understand psychic abilities and consciousness and non-local mind and remote viewing more than I do. How can I talk into my cell phone? My little voice and my sister in Europe can receive my voice in her phone. It's like, how did that happen? It's just bits of information and energy, right? Traveling yeah. across. So it's all quantum physics. It's all the same. Anyway, kind of, kind of fun topics. I think the, uh, you said one of my favorite words, remote viewing. I, I find the sort of old school remote viewing crowd, air quotes crowd, such a fascinating group of wonks because they, they're taught, particularly if they have some military training or that kind of training, they're taught to do it in a very particular way as controlled and non-influenceable as possible. 
And the things that they talk about and come up with, there's one particular group that I, I listen to where the four of them get together and they have a target, which is just a some sort of acronym, some sort of random letters and numbers. And they have a target. And they all are going to go look at this target in remote viewing. And they come back and they have similar drawings and similar information. And it's they're all targeted toward this thing. But there's such wonks about it. They're, I think it's just an amazing thing that we can accept in that crowd. Like I know people from the military who were remote viewers. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's what I did in the military. And like, what? You did what? You were what? You sat in a dark room and you looked at numbers and came up with stuff? Really? That's a thing they do? That's amazing. So I think the remote viewers, and, and as you say, I, I'm with you, the non-local mind and the remote viewing, I completely understand. My cell phone, I kind of get it. I can explain it, but why? <laughs> Wait, I don't know your definition of wonk. Oh, wonk. Wonk, is, wonk is a good, well, that's sort of an old uh, coder kind of software thing. You know, it's, it's people who are serious about what they do. I mean, they're, they're very serious about what they do. They have a sense of humor, but they're very focused on what they do. It's like people who douse okay. really well are very focused and very wonky about it, meaning they take it seriously. They'll still laugh and have a good time. It's not like they're crazed. It's just that they're very studied about how they do it. They've been, they've, the remote viewers have been taught a particular way to do it, and they stick to that every time, and they get results. I'm not saying that others might not, okay. but these, this particular group is very wonky, very – and the dowsers are the same way. I've met very serious mm -hmm. dowsers who are very skilled, but they would then – you know, they're very skilled, and they talk about the thing and the stuff, and then they go out in the field with their bent coat hangers or wires and find water or oil or whatever they were looking for. Um, mm -hmm. And it just, it's, it's the blend of those worlds. I'm certain in another time and space when we were more maybe scuffing in earth, scuffing in the earth as in living in teepees and that kind of thing, where that was more normal, where you had a shaman who was in residence, slightly a field often, um, mm -hmm. but would be consulted on a regular basis. And I think remote viewers and that kind of non-local mind thinking is in areas like the UK has, or England has always seemed very receptive to that kind of work, whereas the United States is more sort of like cloistered and quiet about it. Am I judging that incorrectly? No, no, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're so right. <laughs> and, and I'm assuming your audience knows what non-local mind is. Would you define that for us? Thank you. You heard me thinking like well, non-local mind. Know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> I tend to describe things in lay terms. Um, just because, you know, when you you use the word usually quantum physics with people, they just glaze over like, yeah, well, what? They have no clue. <laughs> so I found if I did in lay terms and, and, and examples in everyday life, they go, oh, now I get it. So for me, my definition of non-local mind basically means is our minds are not localized in our brains. It's non-local. It's everywhere. That's why we can do that's why I can do psychic work, because I can see outside of time, past, present, future, other lives. Remote viewing, which means I can see, I can see and know things outside of my my physical current environment, right where I am. My my mind, my consciousness is not limited. It's not in my brain. It's not generated from my brain. Even though a lot of um, Newtonian physicists believe that, it's way beyond that. It's out. It's like it's like I I like to use the example of our TV sets. 
or our computers even. I can, you know, the circuits can all light up, but the um, my TV, the program is not generated out of my TV. It's generated way someplace else, and the waves, the broadcasting waves are in the ethers. They're in the atmosphere. They're all over the place. And so my TV set is a focusing mechanism, which I believe is what the brain is, and it lights up just like my the circuits in my TV do. So non-local mind Basically, it's everywhere. It's not localized. It's not limited in the brain. I have friends who uh, we laugh because there's one person that I text with occasionally, and from time to time he'll text me, and then I'm calling him while he's texting me. And there's some sort of tip where we know we, need, we want to talk about something, and he's texting me at the same time that he's texting me. I, I receive the text as I'm calling him. It's already happening. It's just that I'm a slight <laughs> lag. We can't just think about it and have that non-local mind communication. We still require talking, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. But I have that. Well, you can. You don't know you can. <laughs> right. Not yet. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. very telepathic beings. People are just not aware of that. Well, I think that I spend a lot of time watching animals in nature and dogs. And I think dogs are really good at being intuitive themselves. I mean, they have a lot of senses going on, but I think in there, they also have a sense of like, what's that? And they might not smell, smell something or they might have a hint of something, but they, uh-huh. I, think, I think nature is more intuitive than we are because it doesn't have limiting beliefs, perhaps. Right. Yeah, well, we're all intuitive. Yeah, we're all intuitive. We've just limited our belief that we're intuitive. We're all telepathic. We just we've been trained to believe that that's not a real thing. It's not possible. So we all have it. Every aspect of nature and consciousness has it. We're just not trained to believe in it or use it. Yeah. And animals are definitely, they're not trained not to. So, I mean, my gosh, even the, the big earthquake and the tidal, the tsunami that hit Phuket, the elephants were knew what was going on. They were, all the animals were racing up to the top of the mountain because they knew what was happening. The dolphins came in and were trying to get the fishermen out of the bay and out to sea so that they wouldn't be killed. It's like the animals already knew what was going on. It's like, and, you know, there's a case to be made of, well, there was ripples. They felt the, the shock waves of the earthquake. And I go, yeah, they still picked up the signal remotely. So um, we yeah. still have that ability. It's all just energy and consciousness, waves of information. It's all just ways of information. And then how do we, do we have to meditate for hours every day to learn how to do, to step into quantum field? I... <laughs> no, we don't have to do anything. We can just shift right into, it's funny what, what it is, depends on is somebody believing in it. Somebody can not believe, not believe, and all of a sudden really get it, really believe in it, bam, it's right there. So for some people, hours of meditating because they believe that's necessary, that's great. Or it gets them quiet. That's the thing, Richard, especially in Western society, we're not quiet. Our minds, we are overloaded with information. We're bombarded with it. So, and even if we're not, our minds are ba 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 So spending time meditating and getting quiet, for some, yeah, it's important to be able to do that so you can quiet your mind enough to pick up the information. Um, I, can, I can shift into it instantly. So... Um, I don't need hours of meditation before I do, you know, six to eight people readings a day <laughs> or right. on the show or on, on my radio, whatever. So it's all, it's all still beliefs, Richard. It's still what we believe we're able to do. 
What limits us is our beliefs about ourselves and the nature of reality. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we're really unlimited beings. Yeah. I, I have a, um, I think I've said this before, when I was a chef, I, and I still have this, I was able to pick up things that were extremely hot. Most people would pick it up and drop it because it was too hot or their hands would burn. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's a thing, I think this is true. I mean, yes, we get calloused hands from picking up hot things or, you know, just all sorts of hot stuff every, all day long. However, there's a point at which you don't have that in your brain. It just goes away. It's a, that belief that I burn is gone. I mean, yes, I can still burn. If you're mm-hmm. boiling something on me, I'll burn. But for the most part, I know it's hot. My hand is going, wow, that's really hot, but I know I'm not going to be damaged. And that's mm-hmm. just a belief from having done it for years where I have that physical thing of like, yes, that's hot. And yes, it feels you know, like it could be a pain. But I'll just move that over here and set that aside. And my brain doesn't have the, oh, my God, that's burning me. So, therefore, <laughs> I'm not burning. Well, and I'm not reaching into fire. I'm not saying I'm going to reach <clears> in and pick up a hot coal. It's just it's a belief that I developed of long, repetitive doing it. But the reality is, you know, I can pick up really hot things and it still doesn't bother me. So I have that. Now, if I could just step over well, to the – go ahead. Yeah, the, the power of, of – our consciousness. I mean, that's why we have the placebo effect. Um, there are tribes and people all over the world that the power of they they feel like they can push needles through them and not feel anything. They can push spikes through them and not feel anything. I mean, hypnotists can they've they've got evidence of telling somebody they're holding on to a hot poker even though they're not, and their hand will blister. <laughs> so the power of our consciousness is huge. Um, yeah, and, and doctors even know that with the placebo effect, and I'm sure people know what that is by now, but if not, they can give somebody a sugar pill and tell someone it's a really powerful medication that's going to heal them, and it does, even though it was just a sugar pill. It was a placebo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, take this. See if you feel better. <gasps> oh, I feel better. That was amazing. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the power of our, of our beliefs. It's it's an underrated thing. Is is there a is there a point at which have you ever gotten lost or not lost? That's not what I want. I don't quite. I'll just give you the question. Is there a point at which it gets blurry for you, or is it all just is in terms of going into a quantum field or looking at a quantum choice point? Do you ever get over there and go, wait, I I forgot how to get back, or I'm too far out, or clear question? No, no I never okay. do that. No, I have no. I never do that. I have more of a an issue of being in both old reality and new reality at the same time. That's my bigger challenge. I know this stuff is real. I know how to use it. I do it every day. Um, yeah. I, I've I've changed the weather for myself. I've I've manifested lots and lots of money. I've manifested homes. I've manifested trips, places, um, seemingly out of nowhere, out of magic, out of the quantum field, and then I find myself. I back into believing in, oh, yeah, it's dense matter, and I don't have any say over it, and I'm disconnected from it all. I'm like, how did I get back here? (laughs) So that's my bigger challenge, not getting stuck in the quantum field. I would love to do that. I would love to be in that state of consciousness all the time where I know it's all just energy and consciousness, and I can create anything I want. That's my goal. That's my goal is to be a conscious creator who's and people are using this word wrong these days or, you know, I don't know, using it in a distorted 
point of view, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned, I would like to be awake all the time. And I mean awake, not just politically awake. I mean conscious, like, um, with, and I'm not religious, but I mean that level of Christ consciousness. Where it's like, oh, yeah, not that I drink wine, but if I want to turn water into wine, I can do that. If I want to raise somebody from the dead, I can do that. If I want to, you know, heal my body, I can do that. I want to live my my goal, my dream, my highest vision is to live like that all the time. And in all honesty, Richard, I know this is sound crazy and we're not there yet. We still have a few hiccups to go, but I believe that's where our consciousness is going. The silence is me and thinking about the more. current state of affairs. No, I agree. I agree. I think that ultimately <laughs> we will allow ourselves to have that. I, I I I feel the same way. I'd love to be in that state of completely conscious all the time. I think. Yeah. Well, I've, I've I say that it seems a little overwhelming. Before. I think. Well, we we like we like the illusion too. But um, I've spoken about this before. We went through a renaissance back when, where we had the fall of the Roman Empire, then the Dark Ages, in which, by the way, we had the Dark Plague. We had the Black Plague. During the Dark Ages, we had a pandemic, and then we went into the renaissance now yes those were hundreds of years apart however have you noticed everything sped up these days so i honestly believe i've been shown we're headed for another renaissance that past renaissance was based on newtonian physics the new renaissance that we're headed for um depend um is based on quantum physics now could there be fear resistance denial chaos you know could 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 the labor pangs be even worse before we give birth to that new baby? Yeah, um, I have no desire to resist it, so I'm not in fear. I'm going for it. And I'm seeing more and more people, Richard, in my, the world that I live in, more and more people are coming with me, uh, coming to me with their same ideas, the same knowingness, the same something big is coming. But on the, on the other side of whatever kind of wake-up call we need, like we haven't been getting enough of those, right, is a new renaissance. It's amazing. It's like we're conscious beings on the other side where we're living at a higher level of awareness. We've always evolved, again, religion aside. We've always evolved. So there are a lot of teachers now that are showing that we're going into a new species. We're becoming a new species. And the way it's going to happen, us not resisting and fighting it, but There are people that are just going to cling to the old, and it's like, okay, you go for it, kiddo. Uh, you know, and again, we'll see if we get into parallel universes or not. No big deal. I just, I'm very optimistic because I've been shown the outcome of all of this. Um, and, you know, is it going to happen in our lifetime? Well, let's see if we really believe in time or not. <laughs> we can go way out there, Richard, with this conversation, but quantum physics, you know, Einstein was even talking about time and at relativity and zero point and man the stuff that is showing up now it's really big and it's way more exciting than all the fighting in the mud you know the good guys the bad guys it's them against us blah 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 it's like oh god that is so boring now it's like i don't want to be in the mud anymore i want to be at a higher level <laughs> it's so boring now boy that's a bumper sticker um because it is it, and i don't yeah that's a whole nother show i i won't go there but i'll just agree yes that's so boring um <laughs> I'm going to toss this in now because this is, this is all part of this conversation is the truth according to John has been described as a captivated story, captivating story combining mysticism 
quantum physics and an exploration of the real nature of reality. And I have heard you, when I study, I, it's all a blur, whether I read or hear. I either heard or read you say that in the story, the truth according to John demonstrates the consciousness in quantum physics. Would you say more about that consciousness? Um, yeah, I want people to know that I, this is my fifth book. This is my first fiction book. All the mm -hmm. others have been nonfiction. And this story came through years ago in four days. It came through as a movie. I'm going to get to that answer, that question in just a second, mm -hmm. if I can remember it. Um, it came through <laughs> as a movie. And it's like, wow, I couldn't stop writing for four days. So I know something bigger than my ego was writing that, that story. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, got a little interruption on my phone there. Um, anyway, so what came through is basically a lot of information of how we can love our lives and how consciousness is connected with basically the level of the quantum field, quantum physics, what quantum physics is attempting to demonstrate or, you know, reveal to us about the nature of reality. So I put it in a story to show what's possible, to show how we can live that, to show... And the, the weird thing is, Richard, after I wrote this book, years after I wrote this, well, not the book, the movie, years after I wrote it, a lot of the stuff that's in the movie came true. I actually lived part of it, and I went, whoa. I mean, down to names and locations. Wow. It was like, holy cow. So, you know, when they say um, fiction uh, reflecting reality or something, the story, I, don't, I don't remember the quote, but it's like, whoa, man, the stuff that I wrote about actually happened. <laughs> it's like... Seriously, even some of the characters' names in the books, like, oh, my gosh. So um, anyway, so I, I put it in a story form to help people understand how to live the consciousness that's being revealed in quantum physics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I've, but the, I have no idea if that answered your question, but that's my No, answer. it did. No, 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 it did. <laughs> that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. No, it's good. It's the, it's the idea that... What, what I'm sort of groping with is the idea that the quantum field has a consciousness slash back to the slit yep. experiment. When we observe that consciousness, we influence that. Is that correct? Am I going the right yeah, way there? Yeah, everything. Yeah, well, basically, there's no such thing as matter. It's all they can't even tell what matter is made out of subatomic particles, strings. They don't even know. They can't find anything solid to matter. And that, that consciousness basically seems to, well, they're seeing that consciousness is affecting matter. Um, and you and I both know Seth, right? The Seth uh -huh. books. Yeah. Seth says that consciousness is actually creating reality, creating our, creating the matter, creating um, our experiences, so I believe that's where we're going. So I have fun playing with it and experimenting with it. Um, and that's what is in the story, is how to do that. And so as we go through the story, I love the, I love the, the, the book in itself. It was fun, but I love that it's slowly, it's like influencing the conscious, consciousness in quantum physics so that people read the book and then get a like bing or an aha or a moment of like, mm -hmm. oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. I love that kind of, mm -hmm. mm, I always get to, I think it's a parable. 
but I could be wrong. Uh, allegory, parable, I get those two mixed up, but it's one of those. And I love mm-hmm. the tool of storytelling as a way to alter people's minds. Just a, just a little bing of a moment. It doesn't have to be like, oh, my God, now I can do this. But just that opening of uh, the aha moment of, oh, mm-hmm. I have thought about it that way. I love stories for that. Um, but I'm, mm-hmm. I've always liked the gathering around a fire and having stories kind of atmosphere, whether it's in a film or it's actually gathering around fires and having stories. I think it's a great way to open people's minds. And that's what well, this I think is all a about. lot of the great yeah, I think a lot of the great spiritual teachers and mystics use parables and stories to get messages across. And we do it in our movies now. I'm glad you just brought that up, Richard, because if you see what um some of the I think a lot of the writers, you know this language, a lot of the writers that make our movies are violets and violets are visionaries. They see things way ahead of other people. Um and the fact that we've talked about they, they show movies of quantum physics all the time including parallel universes we've got back to the future we've got sliding doors frequency one of my favorites yesterday um they're they're already talking to us about about quantum physics they're teaching us things and stories they're showing us what's possible i mean you write all the star trek things star wars movies a lot of our science fiction oh my gosh richard i don't know what this movie's about yet but i keep seeing the trailers for the eternals Like and I'm not a I'm not a superheroes or you know Marvel, but it's a new Marvel movie called The Eternals. I'm like, whoa, what is this? So, you know, we've been staying out of humankind. We've been helping them all along, but we haven't interfered until now. I'm like, what's this about? Uh-huh. <laughs> called The uh-huh. Eternals. I'm like, okay, this is so it's it's in our movies. It's in our consciousness. We didn't have we actually didn't have automatic sliding doors until Star Trek. I didn't know that. That's the first time wow. anyone had ever seen an automatic opening doors. And we already know about the, the flip phones, right? The cell phones. Those yeah. showed up first in Star Trek. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of science things that used to be called science fiction that are now science fact. I love that one. That's another belt I'd wear or T shirt. <laughs> that's a that's a great mm-hmm. one. That's always going to get some sort of possibly crank it, cranky science type to come at you and go, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but it's true, you know. Yeah, like okay. you said, the phaser wasn't there. We didn't have the flip phone till then. We didn't have the slight automatic. I didn't know about the sliding doors. That one blows my mind. But just all those hints mm-hmm. of, you know, I'm still waiting for the teletransporter so I can go visit people in Florida for the holidays and be back in time to, you know, like watch the nightly news. I'm still waiting They're for the transport. I'm I'm ready. Yeah, the teleportation. Yeah, they already yeah. are working on that. That's just funny because you know I've spoken at science and consciousness conferences. You'd be amazed what these scientists are already working on that the masses don't know about, including they already know how to teleport. They've already teleported like atoms or molecules or something, something small. And they know theoretically that they can transport, that they can teleport humans but this is the funny thing with scientists they go we already know how to do the matter transfer to you know um teleportation the only thing we can't figure out how to do is how to transfer how to have the personality go with the matter i wanted to go you guys the soul can go anywhere you don't have to make the soul go with it the soul knows how to create its own body or go with it or whatever but that's where they're stuck figure out how to trans transfer the consciousness or the um, personality, they called it, with it. 
So okay, we just we'll landed. So we just land as a thoughtless blob. If we didn't have no, not thoughtless. Not thoughtless. There's to be consciousness to it, but they don't know if it's the same consciousness that they teleported the original person from. But it's in start. It's in the movies. Well, they'll figure it out. They already. They already um, theoretically know that it's possible. Yeah. Well, also in the Marvel films, I, I I enjoy the franchise because I like that world and of you know activity and transformer you know even the transformers the, that funny series with the cars that turned into mm-hmm. you know people to help mm-hmm. us and it was a weird like really what are you thinking but it always amazed me how the cars the the cars had more personality than the actors that's a personal comment um there was that but it just the, the idea of transforming from something to anything there there is a tv series i can't remember which one it is sort of a knockoff of a Marvel thing where some of the characters are people from, let's say another dimension and they look like humans on this side, but they can transform into their, where they were from person. And it's just like a thing. It's a part of the series. It's not like, wow, he did that. It's just a thought of, Oh, we, we can transform ourselves. That's really what it is. A demonstration of, we can do that. Look, we can change. That's kind of it. We can change. we, we, Richard, we see it all the time on our TV sets, on our computers, our cell phones. We know that if we're watching something on TV we don't like, all we have to do is change the dial, change the, the station, yeah. which basically just flipped it from one – it just changed it from one frequency to another frequency. We know how to do that with our technology. What people don't realize yet is we don't – we can do it mm, with our own personal technology. We can do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to have – technology to do it technology is in my experience and my belief technology is leading us to show us what we're capable of doing because we're the ones that created the technology where our our wisdom our intelligence our consciousness is greater than any technology we've ever created or will ever create by the way but we can act stupid we can act like the technology is more advanced than we are but it's not we're creating it <laughs> yeah well, and there is the back to the AI. You may, you said something about, or I said something about AI earlier. The trick for, with for me with AI is is a thing that they use in the coding in the people who write software world is it's garbage in, garbage out. And what that means is that if you have some like bad code in an AI that they forgot because we don't have infinite knowledge, and we forget to tell them not to ever turn left that they, they, you know, they just one weird thing. They could have that as a given. Like we always turn left on the red light or I, I'm making it up. They, in other words, they could have an oops <laughs> because a coder made a mistake mm-hmm. of AI. And mm-hmm. that's very tricky. That's to me the trickiest thing is I watch these uh, Boston Dynamic robotic dogs or, you know, soldiers that, are, that they're experimenting with building where they can get them to a certain point, but they're, they're still programmed by people and that's tricky because it's like the slit experiment it's like the giant example of the slit experiment where the people building the thinking of the robots can influence that thought and that's i think that's a Mm -hmm. tricky area but as you say that (laughs) the the idea that we can that any we're better we're smarter than any technology is slightly mind-blowing because it's we have amazing things but it's true 
we have yeah, we have wisdom, and again, not just our brains, our our souls, our consciousness. So before we run out of time, I want to bring in because what you're touching on to me still, I'd love to bring up parallel universes. Please. Yes. Well, okay. So back to when when people go parallel universes. So back to the double slit experiment. First, when they saw that consciousness or the observer had an effect and it went to a single photon instead of the wave because of the consciousness. So they figured then consciousness was collapsing it into a single photon, right? Because before it was in what they call superposition, mean it went into wave. In other words, it was everywhere, superposition. It was in all positions, right? Um, and then when an observer looked at it, they said, oh, it collapsed into one thing. And somebody else came in, and I'm forgetting the guy's name, I apologize, I usually know this. Um, he went, no, I think that those other positions are still there. We're just focusing on one, so we only think there's one. And so he postulated parallel universes, that all those other photons were still in existence in superposition, but we didn't know that because we weren't focused on it. Mm. So they have evidence the parallel universes are real. And I use this example, again, in lay terms. So for those of your audience that are really advanced, I apologize when I talk in lay terms, but this helps people understand it. Right now, in the room you're in, there's at least 10 radio stations broadcasting around you. So all those radio waves are around you right now, but you don't know it because you're not tuned into their frequency. If you went to a device, by the way, I don't know if you've ever woken up with a song in your head, I have, I'll turn on the radio and that song's playing. I go, wow, I was picking it up without my device. Anyway, (laughs) if you go to your radio and you turn it on, say 99.9, you're going to hear the information, the song, the music, the talk that's going on in that frequency coming from that radio station. So that becomes your reality. If now you changed it over to 107, now you're going to hear the music, the talk, the programming that's coming out of 107. And that becomes your reality. Now, 99.9 is still around you. You just don't know that. You're not tuned into it. But it's still there. So it's the same with parallel universes. And physicists like um, David Deutsch, who's really big about parallel universes, he's not spiritual at all, but he is a quantum physicist, and his forte is parallel universes. Um, So all of these universes exist at once. He even says you could die in one universe and still exist in another one. So what they're postulating Mm. is that or theorizing, or they actually have evidence. I have evidence because I use it consciously, that every time you make a choice um, to do something instead of something else, there's an aspect of you, a real you, a soul, this is how infinite and expansive our souls really are, went split off and is having that experience. So, for example, there's a you that married somebody from high school. There's a you that had 12 kids. There's a you that lives on the East Coast instead of in Northern California. Every time you chose to go left instead of right, there's another you that broke off. Now, do you understand that sounds like science fiction, right? Parallel universes. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of things that were once termed science fiction is now science fact. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Hawking was even talking about multiverses. So our choices do matter. So when someone goes, well, AI, and you know, all of a sudden, I go, man, you guys are watching bad movies. You know, I mean, you're watching those horror movies. And we, there are people on the planet that like scary things. That's why they go to horror movies or scary movies or war movies or dramas. I don't like any of those things. They're not my thing. You know, I like 
documentaries on quantum physics. I like romantic comedies. I like things that make me happy or feel empowered, not things like that. But there are people that like scary movies, like bad AI things, right? Scary AI Terminator, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, go for it. So when people go, what what is our future? Where are we headed? I go, well, you're going to end up in the parallel universe that you believe in, that you believe is the real one. Because mm-hmm. we've been trained mm-hmm. to believe there's only one reality. But look, we just we used to think there was only one continent. Found out that wasn't true. Used to think there was only one planet, one solar system, one galaxy. <laughs> it's like, you know, we used to think there was only one of all of these. And then we go, ah. Oh. And we think they, we thought there was only one dimension. There's parallel universes. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people don't know about yet. So you will be, you, you are experiencing the reality, the universe that you believe is the real one, even though there are an infinite number of other parallel yous to you as your breath, but you don't mm-hmm. believe in that one, so you're not, you're not tuned into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is the future when people go, where's the planet headed? I go, well, which one do you believe in? Right. You know, according to quantum physics and parallel universes, the Bay of Pigs didn't go well, and we already had a nuclear holocaust here. There's right. another universe. This is quantum physics, another universe where um, Germany won the war, and we're all speaking German here, right? Mm-hmm. All of those exist. We're just not focused on them. Which leads, I think, perfectly to talking about free will, because I think that's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a PowerPoint. It goes to, for me. It jumped out because it goes hand in hand with parallel universes. We have free will, don't we? Yep. Did we forget? Yeah. What I, happened? Well, I believe that. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I believe. That's been my experience. Now we can we can abdicate that. We can pretend we don't because that's the thing, Richard. We have been so ingrained in this world to believe we're victims instead of creators. And to me, that's what quantum physics, Newtonian physics basically goes, ah, separate from you, you have no effect over anything other than physics, you have to go push something or move it or make it go into movement, right? Quantum physics, uh-uh, quantum physics is entanglement, we're all connected, there's no separation, there's no matter, it's all energy, it's consciousness. It's like, whoa, that opens up a whole other way of looking at reality. And I like Richard Bach when he goes, when people go, well, but, 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 but that's not. And I go, for your limitations and they're yours. It's like, I don't need to argue with anybody. I, it's like, I'm living in my reality. I'm living in the parallel universe I like. And mine's positive and mine's optimistic. Do I create challenges in mine because I believe there are challenges? Yes. But I also see them as an opportunity to go, oh, I got stuck over in this. I ended up in this universe. I'm going to play with this and see if I can shift into a parallel universe where things are different. And boy, does that happen. Like mm-hmm. most of the time spontaneously, spontaneously, but at least a lot more quickly than people that are really stuck in Newtonian physics believes even is even possible. Right. And see, I think well, our technology is showing us how quickly things can be different. Well, if I just look at the technology involved in, well, let's talk about cell phones. You know, from carrying around my first cell phone, was in a briefcase. That's how long I've had cell phones. Since it was like in a big, I looked like a drug dealer kind of, you know, briefcase of cell phones because we were on the road and we were doing shows and we needed to be able to communicate. Now to where you're, we're almost to the Dick Tracy watch. We haven't quite gotten there. We haven't perfected it, but they were very close to like people, you know, 
answering their phone on their watch. Not that I'm looking for that, but in terms of the ability, the speed with which technology in that particular arena is moving forward is kind of mind-blowing considering, you know, not that long ago we were walking around with big bricks up against our head looking cool. Um, and well, now it's a little Richard, thing. Before that, we, before that we, uh, when I was growing up, we didn't even have computers, let alone technology, you know, the Internet. Look at what yeah. the Internet's done. For my school projects, I had to go to the library and get all these big old books <laughs> and do all this research. Now I just yeah. go, hey, Siri. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I spent much of high school in the research librarians area because I always, I was always smitten by research librarians because they always seemed to know everything. It was amazing. They were like the first computer because I'm, <laughs> we're of the similar vintage where, no, I had no computers growing up. I had nothing. You went to the library. You read a bazillion books. You researched. I was always researching something, even in, you know, like junior high. I was the kid in the library. Um, and uh-huh. it, was an, uh-huh. it was an amazing place to go to the research library and, you know, ask, like, where can I find out about this? And they were like, oh, over here in this section. There's a section on that? And like you said, now <laughs> I just ask Google, hey, hey, Bob, what's the question? What's the answer to this? It's, it is yep. truly astonishing. And we've stepped into that. And I'm certain there was some Star Trek preamble before this occurred. And I guess it was the little, you know, the, the communicator, the tricorder. No, that's the health measuring device. Um, but the phone was the early flip phone. That was one of my favorite phones, actually, the Motorola flip phone. That was the sort of like yep. knockoff that, of that world. And the holodecks. Holodecks were, you know, it's like a virtual reality we're doing. Well, one, we've got the technology for virtual reality, but I want to go, people, we're living in a virtual reality. You don't need the technology to, to know this. This is a virtual reality. Quantum physics is saying uh, there's nothing solid to anything. We don't even know what to do with that. We don't know how we're sitting on chairs. <laughs> That's a great one. We don't even it's know how we're sitting time. on chairs. That's very true. It's yeah, all just say that. You know, gaseous form. <laughs> I love the I I do love the the free willness of that, and it seems that the more that we transition from whatever we're in now to a new state. Well, let me back this thought up. So I'll talk cinematically. There's always the there's often a point at which in a movie whether it's a space movie or not a space movie, some kind of movie, where the hero or heroine resists the issue and is kind of flailing around with the issue, let's say. And then at some point, they <laughs> oftentimes, they pop out to the other side and they have the aha moment. And then, you know, Julie uh-huh. Andrews is singing on the mountaintop. Um, you know, some kind of arduous task that they have to go through. And I, I really get that what you're talking about is that we can just choose. We don't need to go through the yes. flailing, difficult phase. We can just go, oh, Let's move over there a quarter of an inch and look, it's all different. Um, and yep. that's so exciting. Well, I like, uh, I know, I like, um, um, I'm going to borrow this from Deepak Chopra. He talked about these five stages of our level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so, level one consciousness, level one, it's like you have the desire for ice cream. And level one, which is where most of us live, you got to go out there, interview for a job, get the job, work someplace, get the money get in your car, drive to the ice cream store, give the person your hard-earned money, and now you get ice cream, right? That's a lot of action. But that's level one thinking. That's physical reality. You know, we're victims and separate. Level two, consciousness, and I've done this one a lot. I'm sure you, uh, many of people have that are listening. You have the desire for ice cream. 
And a friend shows up at your door and goes, hey, I was just in your neighborhood. Hey, I was just at the store and bought some ice cream. You want to have some with me? It's like, whoa, we've all had that experience where synchronicity, where somebody shows up. Guy, I was just thinking about that. I just had the desire for that. That's mm-hmm. level two. Level three, you have the desire for ice cream. You go to your freezer and there's ice cream in your freezer and you go, wow, I don't remember buying ice cream, but there it is. Mm-hmm. I have that mm-hmm. happen. I have that happen too. I like that more often. Level four consciousness is you have the desire for ice cream and you open your hand and it's there. That's level five. Mm. You have the desire for ice cream and you realize that you and the ice cream are one. Now, I used to say, well, I don't think most of us don't want that because we want the we want the experience of eating the ice cream and tasting it. And and some of us want the experience of like, I want to get in my car and drive to the ice cream store. Right. So. But I want to be able to be conscious about any of those. I want the choice of which way do I want to go. And I'm getting real tired of just level one. We just think we're stuck in level one, which we're not. We don't know level two and three. And I haven't done four yet, but and I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to go there. Level five of knowing that you're one with the ice cream. The first thing is to go, I don't want that level because that takes all the fun away from the experience, right? And they go, wait a second. If I know I'm one with the ice cream, then that leads to level four where I can just open up my hand and it's there. So now I'm okay with it. There's no separation. I'm one with it. Okay, I get it. (laughs) So, yeah, we can shift in and out of any of those if we want, but most people believe that level one consciousness, that's reality and that's all that exists. And we're stuck there. And then some people, once we die, then we're free from level one. And then we can go on to something else like, oh, yeah, yeah. We're being shown we don't need to die to have that, that level of consciousness. A lot of near-death people, people that have had near-death experiences have been mm-hmm. sharing that. You don't need to die to have that ex- awareness and experience that we can do it right here and connect with that quantum field here now. So that's right. You don't have to die to find that next place. That's an amazing idea. Yep. Yep. Well, I think Christ, and again, I'm not religious, but I do quote Christ. I I like what Christ was teaching, not what the church Mm -hmm. was preaching, teaching about what Christ was teaching. He said, heaven's right here. It's among you. It's right here. It's It's right here. It's my goal now, lofty as it is. Anyway, so that's kind of sort of what's in the book. (laughs) <laughs> that's a long that was our long-winded version of really kind of a nice fun read book <laughs> it's it a lot an, it's i mean a fast it, read too <laughs> it is uh-huh. yeah yeah it's not a long slow read it's a, it's a fast read and it's an enjoyable read and again i love that what you're doing with the parable is having people possibly have those moments of wow oh i don't have to Go to. I don't have to go to school and get a degree and go to the job and work the job to take my money to go buy that ice cream. Wow, mm-hmm. I can just get to the ice cream. Mm-hmm. I'm still. I'm still sort of hung up at the pleasure part of the actually consuming the ice cream. So I'm not quite ready for level five and maybe not level four. I kind of like the go to the store, get the ice cream, go home. Oh, ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> that part. I'm yeah. still very physical. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to know that we've got that. Well, we came here to have the the physical experience. We want to taste ice cream and walk on the beach and, you know, hold hands and, and you know, ride carousels. We want to do all that stuff, hike mountains, whatever. We came here for the experience of the of feeling the physical and also experiencing emotions. So we might as well enjoy it. My goal is to know that I have a choice in how those things show up. So 
we don't have suffering, you know, no poverty and hunger and suffering unless people want that for the experience. I, like I said, I don't understand why people go to horror movies, but they do. So it's like, ah, and they like it. So it's like, okay, cool. So that may be why people are doing certain things on the planet that I don't understand. But, you know, shifting, I'm shifting into different universes where that's going away. I like that. I will, I'll have what she's having, as they say of Meg Ryan. <laughs> um, you know, that's really good because of the – I tend I, – I don't – because of what I do, I talk a lot about things that are, you know, bad or mean or, you know, hurting people and the environment. And I'm, I would like to redirect that to change. My, my goal is to educate people, to give people information so they go, oh, maybe we don't have to do that. So I think that's the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's that same different yeah, angle shifting, on the same goal. Yeah. Yeah, shifting consciousness to show not only do we have choices, but we're actually creating reality. We're creating our experiences. We really are. So um, sometimes I want to know that, and sometimes I want to be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Surprise you know, can no, still be I quite fun. I can't get away with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know too much, so I can't get away with it. Now, now when something happens, I go, well, that person, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that created that. Now, why would I yeah. create that? Okay, I get it. I wanted the experience yeah. and the opportunity, the blah, blah, blah. It just yeah. raises it to a whole different level of life. Yes, exactly. And now we're at that amazing point at which I ask, where can people find out more about you? You're You're backing away from being a professional reader, congratulations, after more years than I'd like to say out loud. It's been like really that long? That's amazing. Um, I've known you a long time. Yes. And, and doing mm-hmm. this, and I think that's very exciting because you have said you've been a wonk for quantum physics forever, as long as I've known you. And I think it's exciting mm-hmm. to turn these into ways of people hearing them and assimilating them in the parable style or when it goes to the cinema in a way in which people can just like take it into their brains because our, our visual ability to assimilate information I think is sometimes easier visually than reading because it's so easy to get a mm-hmm. ton of information in by an image versus putting all those words together to make it happen. And I, mm-hmm. I, think, it's, yep. I think it's a very exciting phase. I look forward to the next, you know, 40 years or whatever that is yep. by yep. your choice. And where and where do people find this book? Where would you like people to find the book, I guess, is the bottom line. Well, um, they can either go to my website at auracolors.com, A-U-R-A, colors, C-O-L-O-R-S.com. All my books are on there. Or they can go any place. They can go to um, Amazon. They can go to Barnes & Noble, all, you know, all of those online places right now. They're still in process of getting into the actual bookstores, if those still exist. So, um, yeah, they can get them. It's everywhere and and the book was only out it's only been out for a few days and it went number one on amazon in four different categories number one um amazon bestseller so that's cool that's cool it's a fun quick read everyone yeah and yes i i have been doing one-on-one reading six to eight people a day for over 37 years so i'm like okay time for a shift i'm ready for some new adventures (laughs) i'm okay i'm 27 years old so yeah exactly you started when you were very very young just a thought you were just a thought in the quantum field yeah amazing yeah we're all ready for a shift so this is mine i'm going into a new adventures now congratulations i'm excited that was great (laughs) i knew that was going to be fun but wow always good dancing in the quantum field with you Thank Thanks, you. Richard. Thanks always for having me on and playing at this level. Very happy to. Wonderful. Everybody else, have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.